Hello, I'm Dr. Beverly Wright, Executive Director of the Business Analytics Center at Georgia Tech. This is the Analytics Buzz, a podcast about trends, tools, techniques, and talent related to data science and analytics. Our podcast uses an interview format with industry and academic leaders and is intended for analytics-interested business professionals from the U.S. and beyond. Thank you again for listening to the Analytics Buzz. With us today, we have Victor Nielsen, Senior VP of Big Data at AT AT&T. And we're talking about developing and driving strong data culture. Thanks for being with us today, Victor. Glad to be here. Awesome. Um, Let's start off with uh, a little bit of background. Tell us why you're so cool. (laughs) Well, I think uh, as the world becomes more and more software-driven, the the world's also starting to realize that whether it's software, artificial intelligence, really any form of automation, or most importantly, decision-making, it's all about the data. It's about the quality of the decisions you make. It's about the quality of the data you have. And really, any sort of improvement is about making the right decision based on the right data. Okay. Um, So tell us a little bit about where you're from, your background, and all the fun things you've done in your career. So I've been a, uh, a geek all of my life. When I was a young kid, I did a variety of technical things, including playing around some of the very first Apple IIs and did a lot of uh, software work throughout my career and a variety of di- different uh, IT operations and business software and including uh, operations research and other aspects. So I've been involved in data in one form or another throughout most of my career. Okay. Uh, Were you one of those kids that took things apart and then you, you had leftover pieces? <laughs> I tried, but if you did, you try to figure out how to use those pieces in a better way, right? Yeah, or make an excuse about all we uh, came yeah. with extras. That's right. Right. Okay. Uh, so operations research, you must have been involved in optimization and linear programming. Right. So at uh, Sabre, at that point in time, they had one of the lar- largest operations research shops in the world. And as you can imagine, heavily involved in yield management and scheduling optimization and really in one of the main leaders in terms of pioneering um, technology and business and operations research and math and business mm-hmm. um, at that point in time. And then uh, came to Singular. We started uh, reinventing how we could do things from a data-driven standpoint within uh, our IT operations. Mm-hmm. And, uh, of course, as uh, AT&T has grown with Singular and other uh, aspects of the AT&T business, we've been trying to drive it more and more data-powered. And in 2013, our chairman decided that why AT&T has a rich history of uh, data-powering the world and AT&T labs and all the other aspects that people are familiar with, we wanted to get a more focused, organized aspect across all of AT&T. Mm-hmm. So in February of 2013, we officially organized uh, the AT&T Big Data Organization. Okay. Uh, what year did you start Singular? That's when you fell in love with telecom. <laughs> uh, that would be 2002. 2002. So That's you've right. been at this for a little bit. Very cool. Um, the 2013, you guys organized into a big data that, that I assume is enterprise-wide. That's right. Does that mean that it has global impact or does that define enterprise-wide? Does that mean that it's more of the innovation R&D lab? Yeah. So it's a mixture of all of that. So AT&T has a variety of rich technology resources where it's mm-hmm. AT&T labs, foundry or technology development, uh, and then a number of subsidiary companies when you start thinking about mobility and the entertainment group and the business solutions. So part of what big data does is, is bring together, first of all, the different technology groups across the company and make sure we're well-coordinated, leveraging the different technical assets. Mm-hmm. We have our own core technology teams within big data that, that works with each of them. And then likewise, we work with each of the business teams to make sure that it's not just es- esoteric solutions that we're creating, but actually applied real-world benefits to our customers mm-hmm. uh, and drive that. And we measure that in a very specific way across the board so we have the full life chain from uh, life cycle from technology innovation mm-hmm. all the way to applied business benefit. Oh, okay. Um, since we're talking about culture, one more question about your um, your background and uh, the structure. Um, 
at AT&T, is the group more considered technology-based, information-based? Is it under strategy, or can you help us understand? Right. So we have each of those teams within the big data organization. Mm -hmm. So when we first formed big data, and by the way, we also had one of the very first teams we formed was a privacy team. Mm -hmm. Because some of the data that we deal with is consumer data, and we wanted to make sure that first and foremost, we took care of the privacy aspects and built that as designed in, Mm -hmm. rather than as an afterthought. Uh, and then to your point, we have a variety of technology teams, whether it's the lower layers of the infrastructure when you start talking about Hadoop or data ingestion and all those different factors, the data streaming at our scale, a lot of the off-the-shelf tools simply didn't work. Mm-hmm. So we had to partner with AT&T Labs and some open source communities and invent brand new tools, mm-hmm. in many cases to uh, deal with the scale of data we have, all the way up to business teams, to your point, that focus on a particular theme area, how we might provide a better customer service or better cell tower or better network optimization or different aspects across the company, security, encryption, anonymization. And, and then we have teams that glue all that together to say, now, how do we actually help our business teams roll that out to have real world benefit from that? Oh, great. Okay. So the, the C person that Big Data reports up to, is that a CSO or someone else? Uh, so I'm the senior VP of Big Data. So basically, I'm responsible for all Big Data aspects across AT&T. And then the way we do that is some cases that happens directly with my organization. Some cases it happens within the various business units. But either way, I'm responsible for making sure they have what they need for success. Got it. Okay. Um, so let's talk about, uh, since we're talking about data culture, what, what do we mean by that? What does that term mean to you? And, and you know, let, help us get some teeth in it. Sure. So ironically, one of the very first teams we also formed was a communications and culture team within big data. Mm-hmm. And they're responsible for helping to get the not only the big data organization, but really all of AT&T's kind of head wrapped around that question. And the starting point you have to do is define it. Mm-hmm. So by definition, people don't know what they know, don't know. So they're automatically going to take a label and apply it to what they think they know. Yeah. So it's really important to start to define what it is you know versus what is really the art of the possible put really good definition and communication around that so people understand what the differences are. So when big when they think of big data, you can actually help them with the definition of what that means different than maybe what they might automatically assume that definition is, how they can start thinking about things different in a data-driven way. We introduced the data as an asset concept, so that data is not a burden, but it's actually where you glean your information from. And if you're going to have data as an asset, Anytime you have an asset, the things you do with an asset is you, first of all, you inventory it. Mm-hmm. How much of an asset do you have? How do you protect it? So when you, what are the kind of security and privacy and other things you have to put around that asset to make sure it's protected? Yeah. And then from there, how do you unlock the value of that? And then getting people's heads wrapped around that. And then from there, you have to say, so now that I understand what being data-driven is different, and I understand what the art of the possible is with this, what's the real benefit with that? So mm-hmm. you have to start thinking about to make sure they understand once they put those tools into place, what's the benefit? What's the so what out of that? Mm-hmm. Why do they care? How do they get motivated from it? Once they're motivated, and once, once you have the definition and then you have the motivation, inspiration, say, you know what, this actually can be transformational game changer, then you have to lay out for them the path of how to get there. What are the tools and technology, but also what are the skill sets? So, for example, one of the things, uh, our, our training team, we partnered with a number of leading universities as well as the AT&T University internally. Um, include, by the way, we partner with the universities, including Georgia Tech, in terms of some of the curriculum development and others, in terms of what types of courses are necessary, how does somebody learn about it, how do we put a complete course curriculum, whether it's a, a general manager that just wants to learn the introduction to data analytics, all the way to PhD level courses if people wants to learn something on advanced machine learning or other aspects. And then really putting that content in there and in a, not only easy to consume and easy to find, 
but also what's the path between, what's the sequence? I need to take this first, and then from there I can learn this, and that constant peeling of the onion of discovery. We've already had uh, a couple hundred thousand courses consumed Mm -hmm. within AT&T by tens of thousands of employees, so we feel like we're off to a good start in terms of getting... So it's not just lip service, but it's it's actually has real meaning behind it, and people have the skills behind it, and then from there, providing the supporting tools and technology, and then of course business ready data sets. So you start to pull all that together. Now all of a sudden you're starting to put together a complete package, with where everybody from top line strategy leaders to frontline employees can actually make a difference with it. Okay. Um, so going back to the the definition, um, you see data as an asset, and where you get information from. Mm-hmm. Um, and given those pieces, the culture part of it, it sounds like you're saying is wrapped around the benefit, the processes, and that's what's driving kind of the motivation behind it. So I think it's like any new concept or idea when it first comes in. It's, it's kind of funny. First thing, you do have to have lip service to it, right? If nobody's talking about it, then probably nobody's taking the next steps. Mm-hmm. But the danger is, as we see in any hype curve, is people just give it lip service and they, you know, they take their old brochure out and they write the latest buzzword on it and then they claim that they're there. So the question is, how do you actually make sure that you've defined what's different? In this case, about the, the big data and the data-driven culture, you start to say, now, what's measurable about that, right? Mm-hmm. So we're not just simply qualitatively talking about aspirational opportunities, but how are we actually measuring the progress, whether it's in the enablers or the actual impact benefit of what we're trying to drive and making sure that becomes pervasive. And then to some degree, there's always human dynamics, right? You want teams kind of competing to show off the art of the possible in terms of what they're doing and how it's actually making a material difference. Okay. Um, so let's build on that a little bit. Uh, you talked about, um, training and things like that. What, how do you know when there's a good data culture at a company? You've been at several different companies. Mm-hmm. So how do you know, like, give me some examples of, I can tell from that company, you know, for these reasons that they have a lack of data culture versus some other company where they have a very strong data culture. How can you tell? Right. That's probably a long answer to that, but I, I think one of the shortest and most simplest aspects is when you walk into a meeting, are people pontificating based on their opinions and expertise, or do they start with the data? Mm-hmm. Are they And or even if they have an opinion, do they go to the data to check it? Mm-hmm. And sometimes as simple as that, and I think one of the exciting things about once you really create a data-driven culture is you actually are changing the culture. It's now not just who's the highest ranking or who has the loudest voice, who who's the most passionate or maybe articulate, but who's the one that actually can take a reasonable theory, but more importantly, match that up with data that supports it. And who's the one that's willing to say, you know what, I thought I had a great idea, but the data doesn't support that. So let's go figure out what the data is saying to us that maybe wouldn't have been intuitive to us otherwise. So these are three great ways. It sounds like um, you're saying number one is when you can evaluate the decision making process and see that it is in fact decision Mm -hmm. driven or data driven rather. Um, And not just data driven at the end. It sounds like you're saying at the beginning. Right. Um, Second, um, you implied that who has a seat at the table um, is another way of, of saying whether a company is data driven or not. Like in other words, it's not just the highest ranking person. It's not just person that's been there the longest or that can speak very well, but it's someone who knows something about the core of the business data. True data-driven can create a true teamwork culture. So everybody gives lip service to teamwork, but to how you really democratize a meeting is a challenge. And typically what ends up happening is people talking at each other with different opinions mm-hmm. and trying to argue why their opinion's better. Mm. If you can actually get the people instead of talking across versus each other and instead sitting side by side mm-hmm. looking at a model, Mm-hmm. And it's the two people together or the multiple groups, organizations, whatever, together 
optimizing the same model. Now, all of a sudden, instead of being a versus and who's going to win and who's going to lose and all that, you suddenly have truly changed the culture where they're trying to win together to optimize against a shared model together. Got it. Um, and so there's a team collaboration where if you're if you're truly data driven, you have just just very different groups. The uh, sales team may be sitting down with the quants and different types of um, departments talking to them about how do we solve this together. That's right. Um, and then another thing that you mentioned uh, that indicates data culture is an omission of fault in a sense. So if you if you have senior leadership that says, you know, I really thought it was going to be this. But now I can see from the data, you know, and you're not really saying trust, but it sounds like you're saying trust. Mm -hmm. You know, I can see from the data that maybe our original instincts weren't right on. Maybe it is something else. And so you, you kind of have this admission of um, let's turn to the data for the truth. And then another thing you mentioned um, is that you talked about having a model uh, that multiple groups are looking at. So it's no, and, and I think what you really are trying to say by that is it's not one person's responsibility um, as far as looking at and understanding a model, that there's um, more of a common language you see among you know non-quants, frankly, that they understand that the model has some kind of value and that it can help with decision-making. Um, does that summarize? That, that's right. It, it, when Historically, people oftentimes are arguing because they're coming different perspectives. Mm -hmm. If they understand those are concurrent truths, and now how do you optimize them together for and identifying what really is the, ultimately the common outcome that they all care about? Okay. Oh, and that was another one is um, you're sort of all pointing toward the same um, target. That's right. Uh, so to summarize those again, it was your decision-making process um, is initiated by data, not mm -hmm. just a back-end like justify what you already want to say. Um, second... Uh, take a look at who has a seat at the table, and that gives you some idea of the data culture. And these are not in any particular order, I take it. Um, but third is there's admission of, um, okay, well, maybe my instincts weren't right on. Let's look at the data and see what it says. Uh, fourth, there's more of a team collaborative sort of spirit. It's not just one quant's job that they're all sort of jumping in, uh, which is related to number five, which is uh, there's an understanding of model building and the value that it can bring. That's right. And then six is um, your the quants and the cells and the you know all the different groups are all pointing toward a similar target and that's how you know that your company is um, data driven. And the final thing I add to that is uh, is the circular aspect of that in terms of a closed loop ah, learning. Yeah. Right. There's a tendency historically for people to come up with a 50 year plan or even a one year plan or whatever. But I think you really when you have this mindset, you're continuously checking. Mm. continuously optimize your model. In some cases, that's because external inputs have changed. Some cases, because you're just learning more about it as you go along, but it's a continuous learning mindset. Yeah, you don't just once and done and you're, exactly. that's it. It's, that's right. You learn from it. Okay, very good, very good. Um, so you mentioned something about um, continuing education, uh, which, of course, we love at Georgia Tech. <laughs> uh, and so tell me, tell me a little bit about that, too, because a, a, couple, other, a couple other comments that I've heard just from other um, contacts uh, is that you can tell that a company is data driven because the younger groups are sort of starting to take over. Um, and you'll really, the younger, um, what I mean by that is data natives are starting to take over the higher ranks. And you're really going to see a shift, I think, when the first CAO, chief analytics officer, becomes the CEO. And it's no longer just a COO or a C, you know, it's, it's the CAO that becomes the CEO. Right. So I think you're really going to see a shift in um in our field, period. 
But tell me a little bit about what you um, alluded to with the continuing education, because it sounds like if a company is truly data-driven, they're investing in that area as well. So I think there's several different dimensions that are interesting. And first of all, to your point, historically, it's whoever has the most tribal knowledge is considered one of the more powerful yep, yep. persons in the group. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden, if you have data, does tribal knowledge matter? We often see in our own projects that sometimes a fresh intern who's not biased or you could argue blinded by their expertise and are truly just looking at the data can sometimes discover things that somebody who has lots of expertise might tend to overlook. Mm -hmm. So there is an inherent tension there. Of course, the ideal world is where people do continuously reinvent themselves. We know that even tribal knowledge gets out of date, especially in this fast-paced technology world. So that in itself has to be continually updated and refreshed. And then from there, are you making sure that you have analytic skills? Mm -hmm. Ironically, one, to measure yourself on your tribal knowledge and currency, but also the validity of your thinking, your approach. So ideally, those two start to come together more and more rather than being at odds with each other. I'm glad you said that because I hear all the time people saying, um, you know, the golden gut versus data. And I really feel like there is more of a a dance between the two in that maybe uh, you're calling it uh, tribal knowledge, but the tribal knowledge and the data can work concurrently and work together. You know, we're not asking senior leaders um, and decision makers to just completely turn off their instincts. We're saying make it with the decision, uh, make your decisions with data as well. And I think depending on where you come from, you clearly want to validate the other way. If you're coming from a purely data standpoint, you should get in the field and find out if it's real world. Yes. Right? Likewise, if you're coming from a subject matter expertise, does the data support your theory? Yeah. And I think that's part of the mindset that everybody starts to grow towards. Yeah, yeah. And I see your point too with um, having an unbiased view. Like, um, for example... Uh, the courses that I teach, I teach master's and doctoral students in data analytics um, in business and business analytics practicum. And one of the things that our companies tell us is that um, there's something, also with our competitions, there's something to be said about just having your data viewed by, you know, Georgia Tech graduate mm-hmm. students. There's a completely, they don't come in with any kind of predefined um, expectations. And sometimes they're not even sure what the fields are. Right. You know, after several conversations, they'll figure it out. Um, By the way, this was critical for business. On a side note, wouldn't life be better if if everybody did this in all aspects of their lives, right? Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, wouldn't that be something? Um, So, yeah, there's definitely something to be said about that. Um, So if you wanted to uh, give some suggestions to our listeners about um, maybe they're thinking like, gosh, I wish my company was more like that. You know, how can – I'm just one person, but what can I do? What are some suggestions to help someone move their company to a more data-driven culture? So I think, first of all, any form of leadership is usually about solving problems um, and running to the problems instead of running away from the problems. And I think the same thing applies here, is if you can use data to run to a problem, whether it's a known problem or maybe an unknown problem, which is particularly interesting, is when data can identify something that nobody's even working on or worried about, and demonstrating the difference that a data-driven approach can take towards addressing and making a difference on that and highlighting that in a way that's digestible for everybody. One of the problems sometimes is really tempting by somebody that really has advanced analytic skills is to come up with a solution that is actually very interesting but nobody else can understand. Yes. It's important to make sure that you have something that has both material impact and there's a little bit of a portfolio optimization here in terms of you know, what's, what's the re- level of return versus what's the level of investment. But there's another dimension yet and that is what's the level of ability to communicate that to others so people understand the difference so you can start to create that initial start that flywheel for that initial momentum so people say wow i get it that really does make a difference and you can create that initial interest in it so that people can comprehend it and say now now i want to do more of that 
people so, are people are always on board for scaling success, but they have to have something they can really relate to to begin with. It's interesting. Um, I know for those of you listening who are not data scientists, um, it, it seems obvious to say you have to be able to communicate it and it has to be super relevant. Right. But for the data scientist, that is not the case. I That's mean, right. they, they don't see that because, and I, I admit, you know, because um, all three of my degrees are pretty quant heavy. Um, and to me, originally, my thought was, hey, if you build a good model, then everybody's just going to take it, right? But that's not necessarily true. It has to be relevant, has to tell a good story, has to be communicated in a way that can be consumed and absorbed and truly understood and acted on. Is that what you're saying? That's right. So for I'll, I'll give an example. One of the early stories, and it was, it was a true use case that we did in the, in the, in the first couple of years, had to do with battery prediction failures. Well, we have tens and tens of thousands of technicians' trucks out there in the field every day. And like everybody else in the world, our batteries die on a periodic basis. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, it leaves a technician stranded, leaves a customer frustrated. It's just a bad, and we have towing, you know, we had millions and millions of dollars in a year of towing charges and oh jump starts. So at our scale, that matters. Yeah. Where our data scientists were able to analyze hundreds of attributes coming off the vehicles. And we got to the point, and we still do this, by the way, every morning now, we produce a list and we say with we're now approaching around 90, 95% accuracy. With the next two to three weeks, these batteries are going to die. Mm -hmm. So let's go ahead and replace them today. Mm, okay. okay. Now, one, it's kind of interesting from a quant perspective, from an analytics perspective, that you can actually do that. Mm -hmm. Financially, it's interesting because we save a lot of, in, a lot of money for our company. Mm -hmm. From a customer experience standpoint, it's great, right? From an employee standpoint, it's better. Yep. And yet it's also a story that everybody can relate to. And it's so easy to think about, like, right. um, you know, battery failure prediction. I mean, right. But you could apply those learnings elsewhere to That's something right. much bigger. So we selected our, some of our initial use cases, that, at least the ones that we published and, and, and communicated both internally and externally mm -hmm. on some of those factors to say, no, is this a truly a win in all those different dimensions? But it's something that people can understand where data makes a difference. Got it. Very cool. Okay. Um, what final piece of advice would you give to an analytics professional trying to improve their data culture? Like if they could just do one thing. You know, I, I guess the single one thing I, I would say is, is, uh, is a little bit recursive, but practice analytics on your analytics mm -hmm. in the sense that it's kind of funny. We talk about being data-driven, and yet there's the tendency to sometimes have qualitative statements and pontificate. So if you're really analytics-driven, Measure yourself. What steps are you taking towards that progress? Are you measuring your data? Are you measuring your training? Are you measuring how much more you're using the data? Are you measuring the impact of what you're doing? Mm -hmm. So practice analytics on your analytics progress. Got it. Okay. It's good to have an ROI, isn't it? That's right. <laughs> well, ROI and, and also just measurement of your progress. So anything you want to be successful at, it's a cliche that you can't uh, manage what you can't measure, mm -hmm. right? We've heard that from decades from mm -hmm. all the leading management gurus. And yet analytics allows you to put that in steroids. Mm -hmm. But you have to put that on your analytics progress itself as well. Got it. Totally makes sense. Awesome. Um, thank you again to Victor Nielsen from AT&T for talking to us today about developing and driving a strong data culture. All right. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to the Analytics Buzz, a podcast about trends, tools, techniques, and talent related to data science and analytics. Please connect with the Business Analytics Center at Georgia Tech via our website. And join my network on LinkedIn, Dr. Beverly Wright, Executive Director of the Business Analytics Center. Thanks again and have a great data set.